Welcome to the Meetings Today podcast. On uh, Meetings Today podcast, we'll be talking to planners, suppliers, and other experts on a variety of topics, all of which are critical to the meetings industry. So thank you for joining us today. Um, our goal for each episode is to provide planners with helpful tips and advice from experts in the discipline of meeting planning and events, and also highlight the stories of thought leaders who are working hard to improve our industry. I'm Tyler Davidson, Vice President and Chief Content Director of Meetings Today. And with me for this episode is Brenda Rivers, founder and CEO of Endable Meetings, Incentives and Consulting. And in this installment, we're going to be talking about duty of care and really what's probably the most pressing issue impacting the meetings and events industry, a planner's responsibility to keep attendees safe at meetings and events. Uh, Brenda is the author of the new book, The Meeting and Event Risk Management Guide, How to Develop a Customized Risk Management Playbook, which is being published by Meetings Today and is available by accessing our website at meetingstoday.com forward slash book. Uh, hi, Brenda. Thanks for joining us today. And um, first off, let's talk about a planner's duty of care. What does that entail exactly? Well, thank you so much, Tyler, for inviting me to speak today. Yes, duty of care um, is basically the standard of care that that a meeting organizer or a meeting planner has to do everything that's reasonable and prudent to protect the safety and security of all, all of their attendees. There are, it's a legal construct. Um, but it's basically, um, it's, it's the highest standards that a professional uh, meeting planner in the industry would uphold. Excellent. And it's so important today. I mean, uh, it is one of these things I think that meeting planners and organizers don't think about until something terrible happens, like the mass shooting in Las Vegas, um, a natural disaster. Um, and then, um, you know, maybe they think, oh, I kind of dodged the bullet on, on that one. Um, but, uh, you know, that kind of tells them they should be thinking about this further in advance. So, uh, you know, they should develop a security or risk management plan. Um, but a lot of them don't know where to start. So where would a planner start and what are some common mistakes to avoid? Well, you know, the first place to start is just like any strategy, any strategic action, and that is assessing the current state of your company and asking the question, how prepared is our organization to mobilize in the face of a tragedy or a serious disruption in any of our events? Um, and what I've found over the last three years talking to various meeting team groups is that there is what I called, call a difference between perceived confidence and capable confidence. And that is that about 80% of your meeting stakeholders will say that they believe their organization is prepared. And yet when you dive deeper and you actually ask the meeting teams, they don't have a written crisis management plan specific to an event. They don't have clearly defined roles and responsibilities of their meeting team on what to do in the face of a crisis. Um, and they don't have a crisis communication plan that is rehearsed that in particular has a social media aspect to it. And so they begin to realize that we really don't have capable confidence. And that's the first step they need to take is assess, assess where they are. And I imagine uh, like anything like this, there's going to be a, a cost associated with it, with it and something maybe that they would not 
think would be associated with the meeting when they're starting out. Um, so how do they enlist uh, facilities, attendees, stakeholders um, in this uh, to make sure that everyone's contributing to the overall safety of the event? Well, again, the first place you start is internally with your key meeting stakeholders. You need to get um, the C-suite, the executives who are um, sponsoring the meeting um, to participate in what, what I've drafted as a, um, a, a meeting crisis preparation quiz and a readiness poll. Um, once you take them through this readiness poll, they begin to understand um, that you know, they really need to do more work. They need to dedicate the time, the resources. And in the beginning, it's, it's really staff time. There's no actual hard dollar cost, but you have to treat this as important as anything else in your meeting design. So it becomes a part of your, your meeting design, just like hotel sourcing, just like food and beverage management. It becomes a tab in your meeting planning workbook, if you will. Excellent. And, um, and I guess, you know, of course, it, it kind of goes without stating that you really need to get on this early um, rather than wait until a crisis strikes and then you're in reaction mode. Well, and I think that's really where we, where we are lagging in our industry. And that is that we tend to um, only use a crisis checklist that is kind of an off the shelf. Um, there are some good ones out there, but they are really part of the reaction mode. And so you need to get into a mitigation, pre-event mitigation mode and understanding the four obligations to meet your legal duty of care, the duty to investigate or inquire, um, you know, what, what, is, what are the risk factors associated with your venue, with your location? Who are your primary first responders? What is the convention center or the hotel security team prepared to do? in the event of a crisis. And I think there's also a misperception that, oh, if I'm paying, if I'm paying a convention center fee or I'm paying, you know, these hotel, hotel costs, then I don't need to worry about it. Their security team will take care of it. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. Um, once you do that initial investigation and you assess what your foreseeable risks are, then you have a duty as a planner and an organizer to make sure you're informing the stakeholders. So you take this back to the, the executive team and you advise them of what the risks are um, so that you can decide, do we need to hire our own private security, our own EMT? And I was struck by the lesson learned with, with a program that I worked on a few years ago. Um, they didn't do, they didn't want to take the time to do any planning and they, they had 2,000 people and they were relying on the convention center EMT, which frankly wasn't even on duty most of the time. And when we realized after the end of the program and there were five medical emergencies, how little the cost wow. would have been to pay for private EMT, um, it, was, it was a narrow, it was a close call because if something really bad had happened, and, and they had not hired their own private EMT services, um, I think they could have essentially been looked at for some negligence. And that's really, I mean, that's, uh, people always look at the headlines and some sort of big disaster that makes the national news. 
But I mean, anytime you have a large group of people meeting, I mean, the, uh, the odds are there's going to be some sort of at least a, a medical incident to take care of. You're absolutely right. I mean, with the groups that I work with now, I mean, we just we start out with a crisis response plan that's based on five or six foreseeable crises that every meeting or event, no matter how large or small, needs to know what do we do if this happens. And that's, you know, that's power outage, it's weather issues, um, it's potential demonstrators or hecklers, depending upon the, the nature and the subject matter, obviously, of the group. But there are just basic ones. And now we're adding, if you have any type of crowd situation and you're not pointing out to, you're, you're not rehearsing with your team, how do we evacuate out of here? You must know what the evacuation routes are because you could potentially have fire. I've had meetings that have had fires, had a boiler blow up in the in there where they were cooking ribs, <laughs> you know, and nobody knew where the evacuation routes were. And, you know, we were lucky. I, I know one uh, industry educator, this always impressed me from when I first got into the industry, she would have a session and the first thing she would say the first thing she would do is point out the emergency exits. Right. And I mean, that's just a, a, a base level sort of uh, thing you can do. Um, and I always like to point that out. I always point that out in any, whenever I'm talking about this. Yeah, it really should become part of the DNA of, of the meeting organizer. And crowd control is something else is coming on the scene. Um, you know, as we saw, sadly, what happened in the Vegas shooting those meeting organizers and the meeting team that were acting as ushers, uh, they, you know, they are, are really being looked at now as, you know, did they have enough training? Did they know that what exits worked and what exits didn't work? Just so that they could at least help with the attendees when they were exiting. And those things are really pretty easy to do and they need to become a part of your pre-planning. And I imagine, too, that if your stakeholders need any proof of how important this is, uh, you know, you can just just watch the news because all the lawsuits are going to start coming now. Well, I think, you know, that's a very good point. And it's all the more reason why I believe that the meeting industry needs to it's a call to action for us to know that the Safety Act, which was a very well intentioned, very good act um, to meant to incentivize convention centers and large conference conference venues to put in anti-terrorist um, prevention, preventative measures. Uh, and if they've put this, the Safety Act in, then that is now looking like it's going to be transferring some of the blame, you know, away from the hotel security because they've done all that they should do under the Safety Act. And they're now saying, okay, the blame is going to be transferred to the meeting organizer and the meeting planner. And it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how these lawsuits turn out. But we can't wait for that. We have to be very yeah. active and start getting involved early on developing pre-event planning, pre-event mitigation techniques for every single meeting and event. And so, I mean, it comes down, I guess, to duty of care. Um, and maybe you kind of you can explain what that 
terminology means. And then um, you've mentioned before that there are four basic requirements of duty of care. So maybe you can sort of illustrate what those four Correct. are uh, for the audience. Absolutely. Yeah, there's four duties. And, you know, if you make this the basis, the foundation, the bedrock of all of your risk management activities, regardless of the crisis, then I can't, I can't promise that you would be absolved from negligence, but I can say these are the things that a court would look for. And one is yeah. the early on in the RFP process and the sourcing process, did the meeting organizer do the proper investigation and identify risk, known risks of the, of the location, known risk, is this a resort, you know, the time of year, the type of weather threats that could happen, crime in the area, prior types of crises, and this, this can be done and is being done, you know, through questions in the RFP and then in the sourcing and then adding clauses in your hotel and venue contracts about risk management. We're starting to put those in now with some of our teams. And it's interesting because I've, I hear all the time from the venues, no one's ever asked me about this. No one's ever asked me to see my emergency protocol. You need to find out who are your first responders, who is going to help when there is a threat or there's a crisis. Who will you turn to? It'll be it'll be a group of, of typical first responders, but you know most of us just aren't in the habit of talking to them ahead of time. So once you do that yeah. investigation, then again, you need to advise the people that are responsible, ultimately the, the, the company who's sponsoring this event. You need to advise them. These are all the foreseeable crises that we could have. And then based on that, you develop a crisis response plan where your meeting team is trained to know when the lights go out, who do I call? What do I do? How do I take care of the attendees until help comes? And how do I keep the meeting going afterwards? And how do I handle all the social media blow ups that are going on so that my company is not put in a, in a terrible light? So there's those four steps, inquire, invest, or investigate, inform, make recommendations. This is when you go and you say, we need a line item in our budget. We need to spend, it would cost $35 an hour for each EMT person to be there in the back of the room when you've got 2,000 people in a, in a gala. And the whole last part is actually putting this into a format that can be drilled down to a simple, easy to learn and easy to rehearse. All of this happens before you even go on site, before you have the pre-con. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what I became so passionate about is I realized, you know, meeting planners, one, don't really have the time to do this. They're overwhelmed and, you know, they think about it and it really either freaks them out or, you know, it panics them and they, they really need a practical guide and a practical way to develop this and integrate it into every plan. And I mean, who should, uh, in their organization, who should the meeting planner reach out to, cons to uh, consult on this? I mean, I'm sure there's probably attorneys for an organization or, uh, you know, I'm sure this interacts with event insurance um, you know, I, I hate to think that uh, the meeting planners is sort of standing alone on this. Well, the meeting planners should not be. And I believe that that executives are starting to be more concerned about this. But clearly, some of your best allies are the head of HR. You know, the, at least the HR has a responsibility to just like the travel manager 
to protect the safety of the employees of the organization sponsoring the event. So you get HR on board, you invite HR and you invite legal, you invite the executive who is sponsoring this meeting. So it might be the, the SVP of marketing, you know, if it's an incentive, you want to make sure that the executive who's, I say, who's signing the check, who's mm -hmm. going to be served with the lawsuit, that executive right. needs to somehow be invited into this current, what I call your current reality process. You know, mm -hmm. let's have a lunch and let's, let's go through some what if scenarios. Let's go through this. You know, what would you do if this happens to you and you're, you're at the event? And, and I can tell you that that people, when you put them in the hot seat and you have them role play through a serious medical emergency mm -hmm. or a potential um, gun and a shooter inside a trade show, then they start to go, oh my gosh, you know, we need to figure this out before we go on site. And, uh, you know, I know the first, when I first met you was at a uh, PCMA convening leaders in January, and we did an on location broadcast on sort of the general topic of, uh, you know, mitigating disasters. And you, you were a panelist on that as well as uh, presented at that conference, I believe. Correct. Um, and um, so, and I know, um, you know, the, the, we'll talk about the book pretty soon, but it all sort of stemmed from a mitigating meeting disasters white paper um, you produced and spoke about at PCMA and other events. So why don't you, uh, if you could maybe tell us about that white paper um, and then some of the, uh, you know, educational programs you've been doing since then and, and will be doing ongoing. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yes, again, I, I became very um, committed and passionate about this whole topic of, you know, I kept hearing, you know, we all have a duty of care to protect attendees, but then I would also hear there's no standard best practices in the meeting industry like there are in travel management um, on how to protect our attendees. And so I did a lot of research, it took me about a year and a half to write a white paper that would take a deep dive and summarize the current state of meeting and event risk management, compare it to travel risk management. And then I did quite a bit of legal research to find out what would be the legal basis for duty of care. What would a court look at as proof that a meeting professional did all they could possibly do under the duty of care standard? And by the way, some countries, for example, England and Australia are ahead of the United States, and I don't want to say ahead, but in terms of um, actual prosecution of corporate executives for for um, death and and loss due to not meeting your duty of care for an event. It's a corporate manslaughter act. I don't think that the United States is anywhere near that right now, but if you just do readings, uh, on what's going on in Australia and in London. Of course, they've been you know, heavily touched by terrorism. So I think we need to look at that and prepare ourselves. And that was the point of my writing the white paper. And then I did speak to various groups, various industry groups, and realized that this was a much bigger, much bigger, much longer um, meeting and much longer training session. And, and the attendees were really asking if I you know, could do more. And so I, I wrote a course 
um, again in my quest. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually the basis of the book. The book wasn't was meant to originally be the playbook for the training course, designed specifically for the meeting industry by meeting planners. So, you know, while safety and security professionals are really important to listen to, you know, people that are from um, Homeland Security, uh, former FBI agents, uh, safety and security um, leaders in the hotel industry. It's so important to listen to them and hear their point of view, but it's most important that meeting planners learn the practical side of, you know, how do I do this? How do I go back to my workplace and gather my support with my executive stakeholders and get the time to write a customized playbook for my company. There are a number of really good safety and security manuals out there now, MPI, PCMA, mm-hmm. the manuals are great, you know, they're, but they're like manuals, right? So, you know. Yeah, how, how does how does your book differ from from that, from all of some of those other? Well, my, my, my book is, um, it's really, it's the, it's the nuts and bolts practical side of where do you start? And it aligns with exactly the SMMP process. Strategic meeting management has a process. So it's, you know, it's, it's again, analyzing where you are, analyzing your strengths and weaknesses. What are you currently doing? What, what crises have you been through? Um, how do you do a vulnerability assessment? How do you assess your vulnerability in a in a thorough but practical and you know pretty quick way so that it's you know it's not taking you hours and hours of time? And then once you know these are our vulnerabilities based on the the type of meeting it is, based upon the subject matter, based upon the speakers, based upon the fact that you know we've been picketed before, um, based upon the weather, you would you identify that. So it's very practical. It goes through basically those five stages. The first stage is understanding your reality, where your gaps are, where your strengths are, knowing your roles and responsibilities, what where is your vulnerability. Then the next step is identifying your resources. And this is huge. This is really where people people just like, I don't know what you mean by that. So a meeting planner's responsibility is not to save the day. Meeting planners think, oh my gosh, this means that I'm gonna have to learn CPR and I'm gonna have to try to save people. That is not true. If you are trained and you want to administer CPR, that's your choice Mm -hmm. and your company's choice. But what you need to do is you need to know who are the professional first responders that are going to take care of these vulnerable risks that we have. Who are we gonna turn to? And by the way, the most, the hardest thing is how do we reach them? You know, do we, do we call, everybody thinks 911 and 911 is usually the third or fourth first line of defense for a planner. So, you know, when do you, when should you not use your cell phone? If you think there's a suspicious package, should you use your cell phone? No. So that's where the meeting planner really digs in. And again, this is all pre pre-event and it's you know sending a letter i have a my my playbook has a draft of all the documents that the planner would need the planner is not going to need to come in and and write and craft from scratch any of these templates and procedures and tools i've done it all 
with my team. So they come in and they get, you know, they get the templates which they adapt for their organization and they base it on their specific type of an event and their potential crises. So and you can I, really sort of take take the information and tailor it to your exactly. specific event and audience. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And that's the reason why you can't just pull one of these safety and security manuals or pull a checklist off. Mm -hmm. They're there. They're really good as a resource for you to look and see, okay, I have, I included everything I should include, but it has to be customized for your own company. And then once you do that, it's also replicable. I mean, you can train any new meeting planner that comes on board. You can also use pieces of it to um, train your third party uh, subcontractors to train any any volunteers, you know, any temp people, you know, that come on on site to supplant the staffing. They need to be trained as well because they could be yeah. the first line. They could be the first right. one to see somebody fall down and break their leg. And um yeah, that's a great point about, uh, you know, uh, temporary people you might hire, too. I mean, I didn't even think about that. And they could be the first person to encounter a medical emergency at, at a conference. Right. And so my goal for writing this book, again, was to um, to make this um, practical and customizable for the planner. So the planner could see what the best practices are and and then develop it for their own company and put their stamp on it. Um, and that the course that I teach takes between four to six hours. Um, and it really works best if I'm able to have two hours where I bring in a first responder, I bring in someone from law enforcement, I bring in mm -hmm. someone from ho hotel security, and we do sort of a panel discussion. And then they assist the meeting team in filling in their emergency protocol form. Um, it, it's, it's actually, you know, you think, well, the reaction is a couple, a couple different types of reactions. Planners come into these sessions and one, a lot of times they're overwhelmed and they're panicked and they're angry yeah. Two, they, um, or once they realize this is something I can do, then they become very, um, empowered. And at the end, they, they feel proud and they feel educated and prepared and relieved in some ways. And then they take ownership of it. That's the other thing is because the planners are creating this themselves with my guidance and template. They're creating it. I don't give them the answers. I give them the questions. It's all about, you know, okay, so are you planning to use a mobile app? How are you going to notify the attendees when you need to, when you need to mm -hmm. have people um, go to the shelter in place area? How are you going to reach them? How are you going to reach their family? What messaging are you sending out to the public? How are you going to handle the media? I ask millions of questions and then they integrate, you know, their questions and their, their queries. Like they, a lot of times they say, I have no idea. We have no idea. We have no right. idea. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and it's really evident that this is not something you can start thinking about, uh, right before the conference or God forbid, uh, when, uh, when something happens at a conference, you need no, to have and, you know, all we, of these, uh, things in place. Right. I think yeah. every, well, I do polling when I do my speaking and my training, and it seems to be that between 30 and 
55% of all of my audience um, has been through some type of a crisis um, mm-hmm, in, in today's really? world. And their answer was, uh, ha- what, was, what, was the, what was the strongest reaction? Events unfolded so fast and we were not prepared. That's mm-hmm. almost universally what the, how they respond. Yeah. And, and we all know that something like an active shooter situation is over in 10 minutes. And so I have drafted all of these crisis simulations that, again, some of them are videos, and I put, these, put the teams through them. And it, it's in 10 minutes. I mean, we have three different scenarios, and they have to role play. And if you don't yeah. know what to do in the first three minutes when something starts, you're not prepared. That's the fact. And I... Th- and I, I don't think you can emphasize, uh, you know, even apart from, you know, uh, doing the right thing in attendee safety, if something happens and something goes to, into a, a lawsuit uh, scenario, uh, that's when that's the first thing that they're going to be asking about is, did you think about this before? And what sort of plan did you have in place? You're so right. You're absolutely right. And then when the then when they're asked, well, how much would it have cost if you had had your own private security for this mm-hmm. event. You know, you you did have some indication that there had been issues, you know, with crime in the area and how much would it have cost you? Well, it would have cost basically $27 an hour for, you know, so many security people or so $35 an hour for EMT. And they total that up and then, then it's like, okay, it would have cost less than $10,000. And how much yeah. did you spend this is such a such a bad on thing. coffee or well, something. How much did you yeah. spend on wine for your gala? Yeah, oh, right. You know, yeah. and that just that just kills you every time. It's like you don't want a jury to hear no, that. No, right? sir. No, sir. <laughs> and we're getting uh, getting near the end of the program. Thanks. Um, I I thought though I should mention uh, you're doing a webinar for us on August eighth, uh, mitigating event risk in an unsafe world. And I'm guessing you'll go over uh, these and, and other topics in that. I will. Yes. My two goals for the webinar is one to take you through the four obligations of duty of care, which is a process that you just need to learn and integrate it into your DNA. And then the second yeah. part is the six main elements that should go into your risk management playbook. And I'm going to go through those in the webinar. Excellent. And uh, yeah, you can check out that webinar. Anyone that's interested, uh, it's free to attend at meetingstoday.com forward slash webinars. And of course, um, I should mention where you can get more information on the book, um, the meeting and event risk management guide, how to develop a customized risk management playbook, um, you can go to meetingstoday.com forward slash book, and you can get all the information on that. Um, Some other resources uh, that we've written about, um, including some interviews um, we've done with Brenda and uh, broadcast, et cetera, um, there. Um, And uh, I'd like to close it out just by by thanking uh, Brenda for joining us and for for really taking this issue on um, and, and helping out the industry. Um, people really need to know this for a variety of reasons. So um, thanks for geni- joining us today, Brenda, and I um, uh, hope uh, we'll be talking again soon. Thanks so much for having me, Tyler. I really appreciate this opportunity. Great. And then thank you all for listening to our first Meetings Today podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy this episode, stay tuned for more on our website at meetingstoday.com forward slash 
podcast. Um, we're going to be taping some more of these, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the speakers and the topics we address. So we hope you enjoyed this one and have a great rest of the day.